Brother, how you doing? I'm, I'm, how am I doing? I'm in different places right now. I'm very well. I'm very, very well. And very sober-minded. Sober-minded. How are you? I'm a little bit worried about you based on that. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, there's There's been some interesting bits of, I guess, revelation, bits of policy that have come out which have had a, quite a large impact on me uh, and my, my family. Uh, I was due to get married, or I am due to get married later on this year. But yes. thanks to restrictions, government restrictions, that, that wedding is going to look very different to what I had planned. So I'm hopeful, uh, I'm optimistic, but also, yeah, quite a bit shell-shocked as well. Sounds like we both had a tough week. Yes, um, and there are many people in your situation, and often these people are just names in newspaper reports, but because I know you and I know your fiancé, and I also know what it's like to go through that wedding experience relatively recently, I can only imagine how tough that is emotionally. You, you're promising a dream to the woman that you love, the woman that you're saying that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, and you're doing everything within your capability to make that happen. And then the truly unforeseen comes along and flips everything. That the beast of COVID is, yeah, undisputed right now. So I'm sorry, bro. But it teaches you some very important lessons. I think that's the most important thing. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who's also getting married around this time. And he was very upset about the fact that he wasn't going to get to do the type of wedding that he wanted. And I asked him, are you still going to go ahead with it? He said, of course. Because if I wasn't going to go ahead with it, what does that say about my future marriage? Very true. <laughs> it can't survive something like a... Uh, pandemic and not to say not, you know not to be flippant about it but ultimately this is unfortunately a, a massive test for for people and their relationships and mm. it's an important it's an important way to to see what your priorities are yes and that's the reoccurring theme that covid is teaching all of us what actually matters wow. talk to me a little bit about you you sound like you're you're, you're going through it, bro. It's, not, it's, it's similar. And it, it is about the priorities. Um, the high, and what really should have been the high, was J Jeremiah started preschool this week. So, so Jeremiah's my three-year-old. Um, and I got him into the preschool that I wanted to. He was excited, constantly saying, Daddy, I go to school in September for the last few weeks. He doesn't know what September is, by the way, people. Um <laughs> And it was amazing. I was looking forward on Monday to getting the images of him in his shorts and his cap going to school. But I didn't receive those images. And I was excited to receive those images because this is part of my vision board to kind of to give him the kind of education I want to in the kind of environment I want to. And I didn't receive those images because my wife was going through a very, very challenging week where she had lost her wedding rings. Um, now these are wedding rings, which Abby, you know, um, I know. Cost, cost a considerable sum, um, a considerable sum in terms of what they cost. 
and what they were actually worth. Um, and days went by where she did everything from tipping out the bins, going through each and every bin bag. Now we've got two young kids, so our bin bags aren't just full of leftover of Chinese and stuff. We, we, yeah, you can imagine. But she literally was scanning the entire house, her parents' house, everywhere for those rings. And a positive end to the story, uh, she found it um, six days later. Or well, I found it actually six days later. And I dropped to my knees and just to say thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> literally I'm so grateful, not necessarily just to find it for its monetary value, but to find it because of what it could have caused. The, the challenge for me wasn't the loss of the ring, but was the mental battle I was going through. She was fighting to find the ring. I was fighting the thoughts which I had, which were all negative. And in many respects, those thoughts could have bred something even bigger. They could have bred a greater loss in our marriage than just those rings. And I'm really grateful that I fought them throughout. And I was adamant that we just move forward. We have perspective and we say, that's not our marriage. Mm. Um, and we just keep on moving. So yes, it's it's an interesting time. Definitely full of uh, a range of different emotions, particularly with the topic we're about to discuss today. Tell me about uh, one one that should probably impact or does impact everybody listening either directly or indirectly uh, we have all had a change of circumstances to the way that we work and for some people it's been a lot more significant uh, than others and today I want to to highlight something that I just think is very important that we address as business owners and as employers. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of our team members announced that she would be heading off to university and leaving her post within our company. And that meant that we needed to uh, post a, a job out there so that we could find a, a suitable replacement. And I'd say we, we've, we've done this in the past. We have posted a job online to see if we could get uh, potential applicants that we could interview and find, find a suitable replacement. On this occasion, within the space of two days, we received almost 100 applications for a part-time role within our company. And we are not a massive organization we are an SME, a small or medium-sized company with a team size less than 10. But we received almost 100 applications. And that has nothing to do with how attractive our company is to work for. That has everything to do with the economic environment that we're currently in. I was sifting through applications where people had taken time off work to care for a sick family member and tried to return to their jobs only to realize that their jobs didn't exist anymore. There, there are young people who are university graduates who have never had a job. And there are people 
pretty much now, unfortunately, right at the bottom of the barrel who are um, people who have left college and are yet to go into university and are the types of people that you would expect to be looking for these types of part-time shops, the ones with no experience whatsoever, who just want a step on the ladder, who are now competing with people with 20 years customer service experience or 20 years operational experience for the same part-time job. And it was incredibly sobering and one that Afalabi and I thought that we definitely needed to address. When you told me the number, it, it blew me away. And it, it was a it was a seed that just continued to grow in my mind for that entire day. And I just knew that yeah, we, we had to, to speak on this. So this is expensive lessons. This is where company directors speak about the fruits of their labors and the challenges that they've encountered, um, their wins, their losses, sharing how they did what they did so you can learn from our mistakes. But more importantly, it is an environment where we can serve. And I think we can offer honest, but potentially inexperienced advice as to what people could do if they're in that position. If due to the beast of COVID, you've potentially lost your role, or due to the beast of COVID, you're seeing signs within your environment that your industry is shrinking, and people are being dismissed within the company that you work for, you know that actually that itch is growing and you need to pivot, what could you do? And to try to almost shake off that somber feeling, we're gonna to try to, for the next 15 minutes or so, just share tangible, practical strategies which you could implement this week to position yourself for growth. Absolutely, and before we kick off, I just wanna highlight one more point, which is we are employers. So if you are somebody who is seeking employment, then I would advise you listen to some of the themes, some of the lessons that we're sharing here to maybe understand why if your CV or your application isn't getting the types of responses that you'd like, maybe there are some tweaks, maybe there's a slightly different approach you can take in order to, to get more success. Because as I said, if if we as you know small business owners are getting a hundred uh, applications, then the larger organizations, the big aspirational companies must be getting thousands. So yes. what can you do to stand out or to have a more chance of success in an environment which is incredibly competitive at the moment? All right, I mean, they, they deserve our best. And this is where I've got to be real with you. It, I'm still saddened by it <laughs> because <laughs> we've all seen the news. We've seen the numbers. But as I was saying to Abby earlier offline, those numbers almost don't mean anything until you see the faces behind the numbers. And once we have seen the names behind these CVs, these are all individuals from different households who want to make a living. We all deserve the right to make a living to serve ourselves and our families. Right, so what can we do? Um, giving you our very best. One thing I mentioned to Abby earlier was we have to be honest and take a step back right now and actually reflect upon not only ourselves, a lot of this will be about you, but the industry that you're currently working in. Times are changing. Um, we look at the floppy disk, we look at the USB, then we look at the fact that there are, there are now no CD drives. Is the industry that you are currently in 
on its way out, as in the entire industry, is it becoming obsolete? Was this always inevitable and COVID has just been a catalyst to what was impending? And I think only you will know this because this is generic feedback, but if it is, potentially your pursuit of quick firing CVs out within that same industry might not be the wisest thing. You could still do it, but it shouldn't be your only mode of attack because those at the very top of your industry are potentially pivoting out of your industry. Yeah. Absolutely. And what that leads to is a real question about your own skill set. Have you cultivated a skill set which is perfect for an industry which is no longer growing? And if that is the case, it doesn't mean that your skills aren't valuable. It just means that you need to look at where those skills are still needed. So if you are, you know, a really effective operation, operational um, analyst or an operational administrator working in an environment or working for a company that is ceasing to, to, to gain revenue, then the question is where else, what other industries aside from the ones that you're focusing on could still benefit from your time and attention? Mm-hmm. And the other question is, where do you need to grow? So what skills are becoming more and more valuable? And if those skills are becoming valuable, how can you develop those skills? Whether it's coding, whether it is a a service-related skill like massage therapy or hairstylists, where can you actually develop a detailed talent or detailed skill, which means that you can actually start making money elsewhere? Yes, Yeah, I I think that's key. That is something which some people may have done previously in terms of a side hustle or a hobby. But this might be the season where your side hustle actually gets 90% of your time rather than 5% of your time. Um, What else could you do that people are still actually seeking services for, which you can have greater control over? Um, Abby, you mentioned skills. And I think, okay, as employers, as people who... um, have been self-employed or entrepreneurs but also have served i always admire individuals who have two major skills one problem solving two the ability to identify patterns it is likely that you have done both in the past but it's also likely that you are not highlighting that you have done both in the past on your cv Because if I'm employing you, I've already identified the problem. The job description is the solution, but I want you to show me that you can add value, that you can not only remedy the problem which I've identified, but you can remedy problems which I haven't seen yet. Show me evidence that you've done that in the past. Forget about all the hyperbole and the adjectives about you being um, extremely pragmatic and courteous and polite and hardworking evidence where did you see a problem within your establishment that you uh, reviewed you implemented an action and you were able to show tangible impact where in the past have you been able to identify patterns that oh I, I spotted that this and this and this seemed to occur and I made this suggestion which had x result those are the kind of individuals those soft skills which you do have and you have done it before, you might not be doing it regularly because 
potentially in the role that you have, you're not being encouraged to almost exhaust that blue sky thinking. But that's where you need to be right now. You cannot merely be a doer. You have to present yourself as a thinker who's very good at doing. Yes, and the key word there is think. So you are going to be tempted if you find yourself in a situation where you need rent money, you need uh, money to, 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 to pay for outgoings, you're going to be tempted to fill as many companies' inbox with your CV as possible. Mm. Now, what I would say to, that, to those people who are thinking that that is the best strategy is I have spent today going through almost 100 CVs and filtering out at least 50 based on the first two lines. Because oh, brilliant. these in, sorry, say again. No, 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 no. People need to hear this. Can you please just give us a, a diagnostic on those 50? What was it about the 50 which just didn't make the cut? So if you have applied for an operations ad administrator role, which is the role that we had been advertising, if your job description or if, if, the, if, if the way you describe yourself has nothing to do with operations or administration, then you immediately will be vetoed, unfortunately. Because as somebody who's lack, lacking time, you may be perfect for the role, but what it demonstrates to me is that you probably haven't spent much time looking at the job description. Mm. So if, for instance, I am, apply, I am advertising uh, operations administrator role and you have mentioned or you have described yourself as a marketing expert, then unfortunately, I, you know, I, once again, I feel very sorry for you because you probably had a role uh, that you are very happy with working in marketing, but you have demonstrated as a marketing expert that that's your area of expertise and not operations. And therefore, you know, there is a, a clash or a conflict which you haven't addressed. It's, it's something That was one which, of the first... Say again? No, so it's something which I imagine people will be tempted to do. They're probably going to think about law of averages. If I just send this same CV to 200 companies, someone's going to come back. But what we're hearing from Abby is that actually... As, as quick as they receive it, it's as quick as it goes into the, the recycle bin on their laptop. Like, it has to be tailored. What, what else did you notice? I think this is a kind of an, it's an old hat, but I'm sorry once again. If I see it, if your English is poor or there are unavoidable spelling, there are avoidable spelling mistakes in your CV, once again, it shows me that this has been a rush job and you're not taking the time um, to to uh, give this application the effort it needs. And what I find ironic is when somebody who has got a lot of spelling mistakes and errors in their CV includes as one of their characteristics attention to detail. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a pet peeve of mine, especially because of the role that we are advertising for requires attention to detail. So if you can't present attention to detail in your message to the world, or at least your message to the working 
uh, industry, then it gives me information about you that you probably weren't trying to communicate, but I've now learned. And with that, actually, with that attention to detail piece, if you are using a CV template, I shouldn't know that it's a CV template because the areas in your CV that said lipsum or what is it aurum lipsum? Oh, you know, wow. The, 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 the font the, type. The dummy, Latin, dummy yeah. speak. That should have all been deleted and replaced with actual text. If that's still existing on your template CV, I mean, this is basic stuff. So I don't want to, to, to drill this. People listening don't need to hear this because I'm sure they're, they're, they're looking for more insightful stuff. But my, my, my comment there is just make sure that not only have you read through your CV in detail, but you've had it proofread by at least two other people. That's a valuable action because you still have contacts within your industry. I imagine if you're still applying there. Whilst, yes, you are no longer working for that company, you still remember who your line manager was, right? Ask that person to review your CV. Um, don't get salty. Don't get proud. Ask someone who is further up within the industry to actually, at the very least, proofread, but review the quality of your CV. Second action, download Grammarly, people. Um, typos can be forgiven. They cannot be forgiven on a CV. No. Was anything else you noticed? There were a couple of things which, as I said, because we are now in an environment where it's fiercely competitive. In other instances, you may give people some leeway, but at a time where it's fiercely competitive, there are other things that you might want to consider. So consider the location that you present yourself as. So if your, if, if your job um, role, the one that you're interested in, is in a certain location, you need to demonstrate that you're actually local to that area. I know that sounds like a silly one, but if, if there is a, a physical location that you need to be present at for a part-time role, if you have highlighted your location as somewhere completely different. It may be that you're in the process of moving. It may be that this is a temporary location, whatever the reason is. If I'm looking at that CV and noticing that my uh, job role is based in South London and you live in Cardiff, then <laughs> once again, there's gonna be a, a conflict there. And it may be that you went to university in Cardiff. It may be that you're temporarily staying in Cardiff. But once again, these are the types of things that are going to rub an employer up the wrong way from the outset when they've got a hundred odd CVs to go through. Yes. Um, but I, I want to delve into more specific bits of advice because while I was going through these CVs, there were useful bits of advice that I would love to share with certain people that were contacting me. Um, so you mentioned already about taking a step back and I completely agree. I think... When you've gone through a period of, of employment, it's so important that you take an audit of all of the lessons that you've learned and all of the skills that you've picked up. Because sometimes you don't actually go through that practice of what, what have I actually picked up? Who am I now compared to who I was when I began this role? Yes. What is different? And once you've done that, it's very important that you can communicate that effectively on a CV. Often we don't think about that until it's too late. 
until we're actually looking for our next job. But if you're actually documenting that through the process, it makes life easier. And if you're if 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 you are in a situation where you're looking for work, don't rush to throw your CV out because you might be selling yourself short. Mm-hmm. Take the time actually to take stock of who you are and what you have to offer. Um, the next point that I would like to say is think about who you would like to offer your skill set to. Now the problem is is that right now there's a uh, disproportionate uh, balance of power where the employers have all of the power and employ- the potential employees have very little uh, little power but that doesn't mean you're not valuable that doesn't mean you're going to work for anyone um, and do anything still you know if you if you have developed a, a, an impactful skill set don't be so quick to throw that away and don't be so quick to offer that just to anybody think about what industry you would actually like to be involved in and what industry you think that you could add value to and what industry you'd be passionate about working for you know it may not be your dream industry but it should still be an industry that you don't grimace at the thought of you don't want to go against your morals or go against your um, values just to work in a certain role because you want to make money the reason why I say that is because as soon as you get to the interview stage your potential employer is going to know that this is just you trying to get some money and it's going to be a waste of everybody's time. Yes. So I would say think about which industries, which areas you actually would like to add value to. And the reason why that's important is because your CV needs to be industry focused. And I know that's scary to some people because you might have actually gone through the process of sharing your CV to 100, 200 different companies. But the chances are, if you're doing that, you're not getting very many responses or the only people that are responding to you are people offering you low value work. If you actually drill into a specific industry, a specific market that you are demonstrably interested in, there's a much bigger chance that the employer is going to see your passion, see your interest and give you the benefit of the doubt. If your CV reads like a one-size-fits-all CV, the chances are that people like me are going to look at it and go, this person is just trying to hedge their bets as much as they can. The next point I would say is understand the job description. Some people have written incredibly articulate case studies um, or incredibly articulate personal statements about who they are. And it's been very interesting to read, but it has nothing to do with the job that I've offered. And the, the, the point there is that by adding a personal statement at the beginning of your CV or in a separate cover letter, it's your opportunity to demonstrate to the employer that you understand their problem, that you understand their pain. And the closer you can get to addressing why they are hiring a new person, the more chance you have of actually getting an interview. If you once again send out a generic statement, the employer is going to say, this person doesn't get what I'm doing here. And I, if I did offer them an interview, I would have to spend the interview explaining to them what the job is. Yes. If you actually take the time out to understand the job description so that you are going in, you're hitting the ground running and saying, I understand the pain you're going through, Mrs. Employer, and I have a skill set which will directly help you address that pain. Um, the, the, far, the, the final point I'll say is that as British people, as people living in the UK, 
it's not very customary for us to boast about ourselves or to big ourselves up. Your CV is the only place that I can think of um, in kind of in a professional set setting, CV and maybe an interview, that you should really be boasting about who you are and what you're capable of. Your confidence should ring out in the page. If it doesn't, then once again, you'll be overshadowed by people who tell the employer, I will help you achieve your targets. I will help you secure um, increased uh, investment. I will help you increase revenue. Those people who demonstrate that confidence and can back it up with demonstrable experience are more likely to catch an employer's eye and also be more likely to get through to the next stage of an interview. Remember, an employer is somebody with a problem. An employee mm. is somebody who can come and solve that problem. So you should address your application as a problem solver. That was a bit of a rant. I apologize. But hopefully that's a, a, a detailed overview of how you might want to update or change your CV so that you're addressing our current market. And if this isn't for you, if you're listening because to this and you're thinking to yourself, I've got a good job, I'm not worried about this, this isn't a typical expensive lessons episode, and maybe you just need to share this with somebody who's going through it, because I promise you there are people in your circle right now that might be struggling. That wasn't a rent, and that was extremely valuable. Um, one thing I know that Abby does is that, whether it be quarterly or twice a year, he updates his CV. And I'm speaking to that person right now who thinks, well, I've been rather fortunate I wasn't furloughed and I haven't lost my job due to COVID. I'm quite good. You're in your current position right now. Great. But I imagine that might not be the position that you want forever. And some of these strategies are strategies which you should be implementing right now. You have been part of projects, initiatives. Have you documented your wins so that you are able to actually position yourself for growth? for that next interview, for that next job application. It's, it's incredible um, how oftentimes we wish to be served, but I, I firmly believe that we have to serve first so that we can know what it is like to be served, so that we can remember that we always have to serve. And I say that to move on to my, my next point, which is, if you have potentially lost your job at the current moment in time and you are desperately seeking um, another job where you are going to be paid, in the meantime, reflecting upon your dream position and your dream establishment, your dream company, offer your time for free. Um, there are so many benefits to you and the company. We could spend countless time on this. Your mental health. If you've suddenly gone from being time poor to time rich simply because you've now lost income, eventually your mental state might dwindle. That positive mental state, that, that healthy mental state might dwindle because you're currently in a position of not having to do much, constantly seeking the goal of getting new employment, potentially seeking employment which is below what you were doing beforehand and being ignored which to you seems as, as if you're being rejected. Offer your time. There are a number of people who might not necessarily be able to pay someone like you because they've had to let so many people go. But imagine you moving away from the laptop and actually being a face 
approaching a business, approaching an individual in a business, being honest with your circumstances and saying, this is who I am, this is what happened, and I'm interested in serving for free in your um, company. Here is my CV. Um, could I speak to someone X, Y, Z? The person you speak to who's probably going to be in lower management will not wait to tell senior management that they found someone who could potentially do a few hours a week for free, who has your skill set. Yes, you're not getting paid, understandably, but this will not last forever. What has to continue to progress is your development and you actively serving. Position yourself in an environment where you are an, an option for what might happen next. You finally secure that position where you're working voluntary and you're actually doing things which are um, just above serving teas. <laughs> um, scope the environment. Almost like a lioness on a hunt. There's the easy kill and the desirable kill. The easy kill, that's potentially something which won't be too taxing on you. Someone who is potentially going to have to be supported. They're already struggling on their own. They need support. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to position yourself for. Or someone who's slacking and you're showing that you can execute and present a better option. And then there's the dream kill of that dream job you have, which you potentially will not get in your current position. However, you're serving. You're a viable option. So my next tip is just to volunteer. Yes, you will not be paid now. However, your mental state will be so much better than if you stayed at home in your boxes, continued to send, so that's very sexist, um, underwear, continuing to send emails out to anyone who might be willing to open them. There's something really important about that. So I think absolutely you should be offering your skills out there and hopefully you can find some some volunteer work and we've seen that we actually last year had a young lady reach out to us and just say that she was interested in working with our brand and she just wanted to come and work with us so she could learn so she did she came and work, worked with us and she did some some work for free but after a while, we realized that she had learned a lot and some of the skills that she'd picked up, we were now willing to pay her for. And so we did. Yep. And it was a very easy transition to go from uh, an intern to somebody who was making uh, a part-time wage from us. I think it's a lot harder to go from a stranger to somebody who is making a, full, a part or full-time wage. So... If I don't, I don't want to encourage people to work too much for free because I think there's a balance there. I think some employers are predatory. We live in a world of zero-hour contracts. Mm. But I think we just need to be very discerning in order to understand where we can still learn and where we can still pounce, as you said. There are, there are opportunities that may only become available to us after, after we have spent some time as an intern or spent some time volunteering. And then there are other opportunities where you are literally just giving up your labor for free and there is no possibility of you ever getting paid. So I think being discerning about what those opportunities look like, having honest and frank um, conversations with employers is going to be very helpful for us to, for you to understand, you know, what, what your future might hold. 
Um, the other point I want to mention very quickly is the importance of maintaining a full-time work mentality, even when you're searching for work. There are things that might slip when you are working or when you're at home. And whether you have a job or whether you don't, there are certain habits that you can fall into, which are very detrimental. My encouragement is maintain the mentality that you had when you had a, when you had a full-time job in a commute, which means get up early, have a shower, get dressed like you're going out, even if you're going to go and sit at a computer for a couple of hours and then go and work. Take a break and then go back to work and finish at a decent time. Even, even if you're applying for jobs and that's all you're doing at the moment, treat that like a full-time job. Wake Definitely. up, seven o'clock, have breakfast, have a shower, get dressed, sit at your computer and apply for jobs, nine till five, clock off and then go about your day. Hold, hold on to that mentality because it's going to be so important for you when you actually return to the working environment. If you are spending any considerable, considerable amount of time not doing that, then it could be harder for you to get yourself back into the rhythm of things. Those habits are crucial. And everything we're referring to today is about habits. And I, I couldn't agree more about maintaining that... I don't say workmanship, but that's quite a sexist phrase. But that just mentality of being productive. Um, whilst you were speaking, it reminded me of something you said earlier. And unfortunately, we do live in a digital age where everything's rather faceless. And I do wonder whether of those 100 plus applicants how many actually emailed us directly to ask questions? Because that level of initiative, that attempt to make contact directly rather than just sending in your CV to say, hi, I'm interested in this post. And is there someone I could potentially speak to will mean that you'll be remembered. You could be the worst possible applicant, but from the moment in which I have to speak to you over the phone and I actually remember your name and we've, begun to converse and create a dialogue and some kind of rapport and you're posing questions about the post and we actually potentially even meet you are ahead of other people what am i getting at approach the companies if you don't have questions think of questions but just have the opportunity to see the environment so okay i would love to actually um visit to actually speak to someone about this position is anyone I could speak to about this? They might fob you off, but persist because it's a fair request to speak to someone about the position. I've got a few inquiries about this post. Um, is there someone I could speak to? Put that forward just so that you can actually put a name behind someone who will be involved in that process so that you can start to gauge their preferences, their interests. Because your objective isn't just to have your CV ready, it's to get an interview. If that person is potentially on the panel, through that conversation, you might be able to gauge what they're really looking for and the circumstance they're really in. Off the back of that, I would say set up a LinkedIn account. And if you've already got a LinkedIn account, start using your LinkedIn account. It's an incredibly powerful tool which is underutilized by a lot of people looking for work. Uh, 
whenever you find a job or whenever you find a company on LinkedIn, you'll often see that there are people that you're connected to who are working for that company or people that you're connected to who know somebody who works for that company. Make, make sure you're using that. Once again, if you're competing with a thousand other applicants for a role, anything that can set you apart, even if it's the fact that your name has been put forward by somebody who already works for the company, Mm. is an added tick in the box for you. And you could obviously reach out to these people and ask for more more insight, um, for, for an open discussion. You could gauge whether even the job is for you or not. There are so much that you can do by just making sure that you, you, you force that initial connection with people. And I can only share from my experience. I'm not an employer um, on, on a corporate level. But as somebody who's an employer of, of a small business, I feel a sense of relief when somebody reaches out to me via email and says, I'm interested in the role, can we have a conversation? Yes. Because there there are so many steps that you have just skipped through, which have made my life easier. Now, as I said, this isn't going to be for every corporation, uh, which have dedicated HR teams. But for someone like me, you've made my life infinitely more easier because you're already demonstrating things. You're demonstrating that you have initiative. You're demonstrating your ability to communicate. You're demonstrating your ability to just be confident um, and think outside of the box and not just get stuck in the uh, job application process. These are all very useful tools that demonstrate to me that you're someone I can work with. You're answering questions I haven't even thought to ask just by Mm -hmm. reaching out to me. What you're touching on now, for some, might highlight what they don't have. Because there's the the tangible skills and experience needed within the job description. But then there are so many soft skills necessary. What can someone do during this time period in terms of personal development to help them stand out? Um, I'm I'm a big believer in books. Um, I will pass away having a long list of books which I've never read that I wanted to read. Pick up a book. Pick up, pick up a book. Pick up that last book which you said you were going to read, which is linked to personal development or your specific industry, and read it. Get a book industry-related by a specialist and read it. And don't just read it, make reference to it within your CV. Make a reference to it in your interviews. Show them that you are current, that you're interested in the most relevant advancements within your industry. This is what X, Y, and Z is presenting. This is their case study. This is their impact. This is my evaluation of it, my reservations, my critique, my suggestions as to how it could apply to your industry, your company. Show that you are bringing fresh ideas as a result of being willing to review existing ideas. In addition to that, I think it would be very useful for people to start mastermind sessions or mastermind groups with other people they know who are in similar situations or people who are willing to support. Find a group of four, five, six people who are willing to have conversations on a weekly or uh, fortnightly basis 
about the working, the, the challenge of finding work. This does a couple of things. I think this maximizes your resource because now you have more bodies actually doing searches on your behalf. Somebody might find a job that doesn't work for them, but it would be perfect for you, which is fantastic. And by having that regular contact time, you're able to access that information, but it also keeps you sharp. It's yeah. so important that you go into an interview with confidence and you are articulate. And especially in this COVID period, we're all stuck indoors and nobody has to talk to each other. And all we do is, um, uh, you know, double tap on, on images as a way of communication. It, it can be easy for you to go an entire day without saying a word to anyone. Mm. So that when it comes to you being asked a bunch of questions by a, an employer or a potential employer, it's not that you're not able to do it. It's just that you're out of practice. So having those regular conversations with people will just keep you sharp, will keep yes. you on your toes and will make sure that when you are speaking, it's more fluent and more fluid. Definitely. The number of people who, purely because of their lack of confidence or their inability to articulate themselves well, are downplaying their ability is striking. Uh, reading books, listening to podcasts, to um, TED Talks, to great speakers will help because you will begin to adopt their vernacular, you'll begin to adopt the, the words that they use, the sentence structure and arrangement. You will just have more ways of expressing newer ideas. And that's it. I remember you once said to me that many employers are looking for someone to communicate for them, which I thought was a, a, a brilliantly concise way of saying what is often not understood. To be employed, you are a spokesperson. Um, even if you're not actually speaking, you are a part of of you are almost a an external part of that main being if i employ you you are doing for me what i want you to do and i want you to do it as well as i would do it if not better and in many respects if you're customer facing you are speaking for me and my company and thus we all need to develop ourselves as great communicators and it is a journey and it can be done this is a time for online courses in the world where everyone seems to have an online course right now this is a time for you to find courses which you can go on go on every free course available within your industry um, again if your industry in your view is still going to be relevant or any course within a skill set which you from your audit you realize you need and um, it might be timekeeping it might be the art of communication and rhetoric um, it might be uh, problem solving invest time in it it may even be time management some people have got a whole bunch of really useful skills but their lack of time management, the lack of ability to actually structure their days effectively means that they spend most of it procrastinating. If you don't feel like you've got a good grip on your time outside of any kind of rigid employment, then I recommend you actually go down the route of doing some sort of time management course. Uh, it may sound self-explanatory, but if you don't have it, then the only way to get it is to learn. 
Yes. I'm going to give a, a really bit, of, a really practical bit of advice now to people listening because this is still an entrepreneurial podcast, and we're still giving advice to people who want to start, build, and run their own businesses. So, my next suggestion to you, if you if you found yourself with a lot more time on your hand, is to go onto two websites for me. Go onto Upworks, U P W O R K S, dot com, and go onto Fiverr, F I V E R R. Com. Go on those two websites. So these are two websites where people can find freelancers. So if as, as an employer, I might want to get a logo designed or I might want a piece of music made for an, an advert that I'm creating. Uh, I might want somebody to write some copies for a marketing campaign I'm doing or draft out a contract for me. And if you have any relevant skills that are valuable, you can actually offer them up in the marketplace for people who can who can buy them. Now, one one thing that I found incredibly uh, surprising was the amount of people applying for this small part time role with degrees. If you've got a degree, chances are that you've got skills that people are willing to pay for, mm. and maybe aren't willing to pay for it on a full time basis but will pay for it as and when. And if you can get enough clients willing to pay for your skill set, then maybe you've got a living. So have a check on Upworks and Fiverr and any other well-known freelancer websites to see if any of your skills could actually be earning you a living. If, you're, if you've got a legal background, maybe you could help small businesses write contracts. If yes. you've got an accounting background, maybe you can help small businesses with their books. If you've got a design background, maybe you could be designing logos or graphics for companies. These are the types of things that you could do um, on a client-to-client basis, which could keep you afloat during this time. In the process of doing that, you will be developing resilience. Many of our parents and our parents' parents and their parents had a resilience which we can't really fathom because of the challenges and atrocities that they lived through. They had to be flexible. And I firmly believe that in the season of COVID, the winner is he or she who is adaptable and flexible. By doing what Abby just mentioned, you are showing that you are willing to to pivot, to be resourceful, to actually change tact and not go down the route which you previously thought when you were potentially 16 or 17. This is what's going to set you apart. I remember once hearing of a son speaking to his father and the son saying, but dad, I, I'm about to go off to uni, but what if, what if this doesn't work out? What if this isn't what I'm actually meant to do? And the father wisely said to the son, well, son, if this isn't your purpose, I can guarantee that it will be the thing that leads you to your purpose. And this is why we need to not be stationary. If, if you forget everything, remember this. Don't be stationary. Keep moving. Volunteer within reason. Go on Fiverr, become a freelancer within reason. Make face-to-face contact and create mastermind groups. Just ensure that you continue to put yourself out there because you don't know where that position will take you. It, it sometimes amazes me how certain opportunities 
emerged. And I think Steve Jobs said it best. It only makes sense when you look back. That's when the dots connect. But when you're facing it, it there's just a dark emptiness. But you've just got to keep on plowing through. You did mention again that yes, this is a entrepreneur, a business podcast. But I said it beforehand that I firmly believe that it's important that all of us do go out to serve. I think some of the best entrepreneurs are people who've actually worked for other people. And serve in the pursuit of being served so that you can remember that you will always be serving. The moment in which you are an entrepreneur and you're your own boss, you're answering to everyone. So it's not like you're telling what people what to do. But it, in that journey, you can learn so much by being under someone. Could you find a mentor? Using the likes of LinkedIn, using your own network, which you're probably not appreciating. You do have a network. You have a professional network. You had a job. There are people there who have skill sets, have experience, have qualifications, which you probably don't have. You are no longer part of that company, but you still know that person. You still have their email address. Make contact. This is the time to actually do the thing which you're uncomfortable in doing and seeing what happens. What's the worst that could happen? Your email is ignored. Well, currently your CV is being ignored. Just keep on getting out there. Last comment from me is, and I mentioned this to you before in different guises, get what you're owed from the government. (laughs) Get what you're (laughs) owed. Get what you are owed from the government. Honestly, it's something that I think many people forget about or even too proud to to go down that route. This is a time, especially if you have 20 years of experience on your CV, 20 years of contributing to the economy, contributing to the coffers, it's time to collect. There is no shame in getting what you're owed from the government. You've paid into it. It's time for you to, to collect from it. Your parents have paid into it so that you could collect from it. And that may be the buffer that you need so that you can actually have a a clear mind when you're doing your applications. I can't stress it enough. There is no shame in collecting what the government has promised you. So Mm. do not forget that that is an option while you're searching for a role. And if you are in a situation, for instance, where you don't know what the future holds... For, for your for for your for your current job, have a look at what you could get from a job seeker's allowance, so that you yes. can start making plans around that kind of income coming in. Yes. So not the not the most inspirational point for me to end on. Afalabi can close us out, but that would just be my encouragement there for you. You know, you you've you've worked hard. We we live in a country which does have provisions for us. And it's time for us to collect. Amen to that. Um, I'm a huge fan of the welfare state and the welfare system. Um, it is an incredible asset that we have, that we pay into to support one another. As Abby mentioned, if you are in need, there is no shame. Um, I think my final point to close is a belief which some people might say is just merely positive thinking, but for me, it's more than that. 
And it's the belief that all things truly do work out for our good. Um, please, please, please do not remain stationary. Be proactive. What you might have to do could be considerably different from what you envisioned doing previously. But that goal of being an entrepreneur hasn't died because you lost a job or you lost a position. There are still opportunities for you to actually execute if you just pause and think. I have more time now. What are my finances saying? How can I ensure that my finances and my um, expenses are being covered so I can spend more time on that entrepreneurial dream? I'm actually being given that time that I wish I had previously. What am I going to do with it? Is it a curse or is it a gift? Who could I be reaching out to right now? Where could I be going? You need to get on your bike. If you're still in your house right now, you need to get out there to be communicating with people, to be networking, to be offering your service, posing questions, because there are other people who want the opportunity that you are offering, but are waiting. Very different from our usual podcasts, but this comes from a genuine place. As we said earlier, we've all seen the news in terms of the layoffs, 5,000 here, 50,000 there. But when you start to see the names on paper, you realize that this, these are sons, daughters, real people who all have the same dream. You have that dream, continue working. I, I thank you for bearing with us if you've got all the way through it, but it felt like the right thing to do. We will be doing this again, potentially actually getting someone who has been through it or could offer another strand of advice for people who are going through this. But we know that many of our listeners are working people and any advice on how they can improve their working position so that they can fund their entrepreneurial position will be invaluable. No, on, honestly, yeah. If if you have been at the other end of this, if you've experienced a career change at some point, if you're going through this right now, um, if you've listened to this and thought, well, you know, I've tried all of that and things are still not working out for me, we urge you, we welcome you to get in conversation with us, reach out to us on uh, our through, through our in IG page um, at Expensive Lessons. Send us a comment, send us a direct message, and we want to continue the conversation with you because I think there's so much value to be had here, both for em employees and employers. So we look forward to continuing this discussion. We look forward to having it again with somebody who can share their personal experience of being on the other side. So for me, we love you. Thank you for staying with us. Do have a productive week. Take care, everyone. Thank you.